Hello and welcome to Dynasty as They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Hidely ho, y'all. <laughs> well, you've prepared a delicious concoction for this podcast. What are, we, what are we drinking tonight? Well, I figured it's a little bit warm for uh, brandy, because goddamn, they drink so much brandy on this show. I can't but, imagine what the brandy bill uh, is. No, so this is, this is a nice aged rum from Bermuda. Oh, uh, yes, from the Fairmont Princess. Uh, that's right. Beautiful resort. And uh, it's it's been doctored up with a splash of Bekarovka, which is a Czechoslovakian liqueur. Oh, uh, a real a, fusion we yeah, have here. Yeah, it's a sort of aromatized party uh, in our mouths. So anyway. Awesome. Clinks well, to drinks, baby. Yeah, let's have a little clink there. Mm, love that. Now... Speaking of party, we had a really great party, um, what was it, last night, two nights ago? We went to see, I don't want to say impersonator, that seems like it might be offensive, but a a David Bowie tribute act um, called Space Odyssey. I, I refer to it Odyssey. as a homage, an homage. Yeah, it was, so the tickets were only like $10, and boy, did we get our value. That Bang con- for your buck, that baby. That concert was so amazing. Yes, this guy, I think his name is David Brighton, and I think he's actually British. And he just dresses in a couple of But even if Bowie he's not, costumes. he may as well be. The yep. costumes were on point. Yeah, the and costumes were great. More importantly, the musicians were like delivering uh, it it really felt like I was like watching David Bowie and his band at the time. Like it, it was, uh, you know, like sometimes you see these acts and it's like, mm, I'm going to give you some, some leeway, you know, but this was like, like some serious bass and guitar and drums and everybody was vibing with each other. And the performances were just very overpowering for what is basically, uh, I don't know, like a, a, a pantomime out in a, in a, hotel casino stage like i i wanted there to be like more fanfare for all of this honestly i mean we never got to see david bowie well i did get to see david bowie in an elevator once but i never got to actually see him perform so this was nice obviously not the same thing but uh it was it was really I nice like that we got the uh you know the all the different costume changes there was uh the the space oddity years and then there was the young americans era and you know then we got the the modern love could tell that he's been doing it for this years this might have actually been better than that share rehab that happened in vegas last year share rehab what the hell are you talking about they 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 sent her out for work and then you know they put her back on stage and that was literally share though that wasn't know, impersonation like, she wasn't even really like moving around like i think she was on wheels wasn't no she? uh share was great she wrote an elephant in that show what do you know i mean we all about? love share nobody's got a problem with share but it's like come okay on, like, i almost know. was gonna fire you from the podcast please do um <laughs> i'll take my severance and pennies i knew it was going to be a good show when the the concert kicked off and he turned around and he was wearing that big 
Tokyo pop vinyl outfit with all the the piping, the lines on it. Which always reminded me a little bit of like a much more sophisticated Oompa Loompa outfit. <laughs> and like then when it was like moving around, it kind of had that bounce to it, you know? Yeah, and he kind of had to <laughs> so, hold on to it. Like those, uh, like they were handlebars. It's one of those like, those like, I don't know, it's not a failure of costuming. It's just um, when you see it in action, it's, um, you would hope it would live up to what's in your imagination. But anyway, it was like exciting to see anyway yeah i only knew of it from like the photo shoots where he was like doing this ziggy stardust like in front of the red backdrop so to actually see it on stage was uh was definitely mesmerizing the grand finale for me is then the uh one of the guitarists leaves and i'm like what happened what's going on and then you just hear dum 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 da da dum 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 da dum dum. Vanilla ice ice baby. No, uh, Freddie fucking Mercury comes out, <laughs> and they do a duet of Under Pressure, and the crowd went fucking wild. I mean, by crowd, I mean me. I could not believe that that was like part of the show. Well, I you know David Bowie kind of did this thing that Prince did, where he produced a lot of things, yeah, and he's responsible for. Our like maybe not, like Prince was sort of pervasive at that time, but David Bowie also like kind of put some things out there that maybe we're not always associate. I mean, obviously under pressure, we all know is David Bowie and, and uh, Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. But so it's like, it's important to include those. Like they're, they're like addendums to his catalog. I mean, maybe he isn't specifically just the only artist, but you know, he had these like outside things that he was doing. And so I think it was, a, that's obviously like an, an iconic moment in you know pop culture so like yeah it was like a great way to send up the show yeah yeah no it was a great show so it i think the name is officially space oddity of the band so if they're ever in your area they tour around the world i think check them out it's totally worth it totally a fun time this isn't a paid advertisement or anything it's just a hearty recommendation from your nasty podcasters Derek and kyler um, another great show was this week's episode. Totally bounced back. Oh from yeah, last this, week's. I was like worried for a hot moment, like because prior episodes. I was worried for know, many a little, moments. Yeah, cold one. It was it was dragging. But so, no, yeah. this this episode's like this totally turned it all around. Yeah, so. I'm excited. So let's take a break and we'll get into this week's episode. The verdict. Sweet. Welcome back. So the episode's called The Verdict because we actually get an, a verdict and this trial is mercifully going to end. I know you thought it went on too long, but I thought it was, it's kind of what it should be, a, a first degree murder trial. Uh, I suppose, but mercifully it's over and that's what counts the most because we need to move on because I'm sorry, courtroom drama is sometimes exciting and after four episodes, it's like, no, we need we need something new. Yeah, so. we need a change of scenery, which we do get many different changes of scenery this episode. We'll get to that. But yeah, they build up the drama. What's going to happen? Is he going to be sent to prison? Is he going to be found guilty? Will he get off? People of the state of Colorado versus Blake Carrington, docket number 81CD134. We, the jury, in the above entitled case, find the defendant, Blake Carrington, guilty. Order, I'll clear this courtroom. 
guilty of voluntary manslaughter. Somehow first degree murder got demoted like 12 points to voluntary manslaughter, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a law degree, so I can't actually comment on... I think I'm on the record from prior episodes where I actually said this should have just been manslaughter all the time, so I guess, like, whatever. Yeah, kudos to this fake jury at the Denver courthouse. They called it... Yeah, they're like, this Jake Dunham's, like, trumping up the charges. Like, this is BS. I didn't understand is that they immediately went into sentencing, like, right away, which I didn't think Are you prepared to be sentenced? Yeah. Yeah, and and, and maybe the, that's a thing. I don't know. I, I, I haven't. I haven't feel like it been is with trials, the trial but. of this magnitude. But whatever. They just wanted to pick up the pace, and I'm. I think fine Judge Quinlan. With that. Judge Quinlan was like us. He's like, I am so tired of this. Like, let's just get to the sentencing and put a period at the end of this. Yeah, so. and so he gets two years in jail, but at the behest of the jury mercy of the jury he uh uh blake just gets two years probation and then they never really explained what the probationary terms are like is he on house arrest can he not because even the writers are bored with this story they're like oh he's got probation let's move on like we need more interesting things to write about yeah they're not going to define it you're not getting an ankle bracelet you're not getting an officer come checking in on you once a week like we don't care about that stuff so i really kind of like that blake is going to use this verdict to better his life as he says take stock of his life oh my ass come on (laughs) well first of all we have fallon making bran muffins at 3 a.m for her father as like she's making manslaughter muffins oh whenever my father gets convicted of manslaughter i make bran muffins for him at 3 a.m i mean it was kind of a funny line but oh my god whose favorite muffin is a bran muffin that's how you know Blake Carrington is a complete total psychopath because a brand muffin is well, his fave. I think he's soulless and he even says like uh, down to his very soul, he wished he didn't have those children of his. So that, that makes sense to me. I mean, look, brand muffins were like this sort of uh, hood ornament of uh, 80s health eating. Even then, nobody wanted a brand muffin. We all knew these things tasted like cardboard and sawdust yeah so. if a brand muffin is your favorite muffin you need to be like 51 50 immediately something is wrong with you and so if it's not bad enough that she's up at 3 a.m making brand muffins then blake gets up to go there's a lot of have, unrest at the carrington mansion there really is and people are in pajamas you know all we had over this, this episode, episode like probably what, three or four episodes into the prior season like where everybody was like up in the middle of the night or at odd hours and it's like there's always like something going on at the wrong time in this house and here they are like she's making manslaughter muffins at 3 a.m and, and he's having a brand just like around the same time he makes a point to wake up he's not been up all night he's gonna wake up at 3 a.m and go pour some brandy in the library and then like you know crystal Little lap dog what crystal a hussy she down is she's down there some. too for brandy like everybody's like snorting brandy at like 3 a.m in the library i don't understand and the fire is roaring so that means the staff is up too just keeping the flames f- flipping well i you know when you got oil spurting all over the county like I guess you can just burn logs all day long, but <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so they reconcile, and it's more Crystal kind of apologizing to him. He says he's going to change. He kind of makes this promise, but even then it seems empty. 
There's like some weird sex thing there with them though, because she's like, "Well, I'm I've ready. been saying I'm that. ready for your bed now." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm um, telling you, they're into BDSM. But but did you notice like he got like kind of turned off literally because now that she's like, "Oh, I'm ready to be in your bed," she's in control, right? Right. And he's then like, the dom, like flaccid penis. Uh-huh. And so then he's like, "Never mind. I don't need you around." If that's what wait wait wait. Your pity is or whatever you know yeah and, and then he like, says later on that he doesn't even want to impregnate her anymore or have had <laughs> I don't other want to children put no brand muffins in your oven lady <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if he doesn't have enough problems then alexis is still lingering around and she goes oh, she's not lingering she's insinuating herself into everything yeah well i love that she shows up to the denver carrington offices and the secretary says yeah the secretary <laughs> marcia's like mrs carrington is here and he gets all excited oh send her in time for some marital rape <laughs> and then in walks alexis and i'm just thinking oh marcia is gonna be out of She'd a get job fired. Mm. <laughs> what a dumb idiot <laughs> that you didn't realize to tell your boss that his ex-wife is coming in. I think Marsha was hired by Alexis back in the day and she's like, oh, Alexis is back in town. Oh, I, I think I there love was a that whole backstory, backstory there. Why, why she like tricked like Blake into letting her into the office. Yeah. Let's write some fan fiction for uh, the secretaries of Denver Carrington. Anyway, Alexis comes in and she's basically like, I'm not going anywhere. And they keep talking about this secret, this other thing that she knows about that she didn't reveal. And it even comes up a little bit later when she has lunch with Jake Dunham. He's like, you know, you told me you were going to have something else to say, which is so stupid and makes him seem like a completely inept district attorney. I just feel like this, like, I don't know if it would work then, but it certainly wouldn't work now. I mean, she's basically just going around with like a false bill of goods and manipulating all these people with this like secret that she doesn't really have, or if she does, she's not really leveraging it. Well, Blake seems to know what it is, and he's fearful of it, I think. Uh, I just don't like that it's so clandestine and we don't know what it is because like, how can I have any feelings or get attached? Like, and am I really going to be shocked when she reveals it in a few episodes? It better fucking get revealed in a few episodes. I, or I'm I, gonna I, flip I kind the of table. think I remember where this is going and I, I think you will get some sort of mild payoff soon, but I do like that Blake and Alexis are having their first real bitch off, you know, and and I've said this before, like, I think Blake's always been, like, kind of a bitchy character. Totally. And and Alexis is in town now, and, like, you know, it's kind of like a, a battle to the death of, like, who can out-bitch each other. And I don't know, she gets that nice little line at the end before she exits the office. All right. You came back, you said what you had to do, both here and in the courtroom. Now, please leave. This office, this building, and this city. Blake, I go or I stay where I choose. 
so we finally get introduced to the St. Dennis Club, which I, I guess is like they had $3,000 in the budget and they're like, it's time to create a new set. Yeah, I think I think uh, they just needed another place to go because it seemed I like think this we was went like, to the St. Dennis Club. It looks Club. like it's like leftover from an old episode of Columbo or something. They're like, here's some, some bad like wallpaper and some potted palms and... Your, uh, you know, catered restaurant chairs. Well, I like that it was like tiered when you walk in. It had sort of a supper club. There vibe were definitely like risers in. in multiple levels, but but what yeah. did Saint Dennis ever do? Why does he give the namesake of this club? I, I don't actually remember. like that because it's like there is no Saint Dennis. So yeah, this is I don't like remember learning about him in Catholic school. Clearly manufactured. Um, <laughs> But I, I like the St. Dennis Club. I think club he's probably the patron saint of oil because this is like the ritzy place in Denver. That's right? as reasonable an explanation as any, I suppose. I mean, is there no other place to eat or get, or order a cocktail in Denver, Colorado? So sure, anyway. there is, but you can't have like multiple sets for every time somebody gets a drink or goes I mean, this show's supposed to be fabulous, but uh, so far, I'm not getting that vibe from the sets. Anyway, and they so- got a whole new character who needs a wardrobe budget and Alexis. So. You know, if they got a so far, she's just kind of romping around in this like bolero jacket number, and it's not like the worst thing, but it's not. Oh, I'm sure you spent the budget on like. Well, if you got to cut corners on the St. Dennis Club to uh, to fund Miss Collins's outfits, then I'm fine with that. So, other than like having lunch at the St. Dennis Club between you know uh, Alexis and Jake Dunham, where it's like. Basically reveals she hornswoggled him into flying her out to Denver, and then he had to buy her lunch as a favor. And, well, she and didn't then even, she's still keeping the she secret. She still didn't give the goods on the stand. Which, so. the, which is my point exactly. What a terrible attorney. Like, if he didn't get it out of her on the stand, then he needs to be fucking fired. And I'm talking about Brian freaking Dennehy. Yeah, I mean, look, it's. I think it's a race to the bottom because I already told you, I think Andy Laird's not really any better than Jake Dunham is either. They're all just like a bunch of amateurs. Yeah, who knew that the Denver lawyers That's really so where they terrible. let us down on the courtroom drama. Like, they did not deliver on, on the prosecutor or the defense, you know, so... Anyway, but you know, like lunch is like whatever at the St. Dennis Club. It's it's always just a white wine spritzer and, and a piece of fish. But uh, then you, then you have later, like uh, Blake shows up at the St. Dennis Club uh, twelve hours later, and Jake Dunham's there having a nightcap and writing out his notes or something. And so he must they, live upstairs. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm like. Is 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 this like attached to a hotel, and that's why? Uh, but then, like Jake's like the prosecutor, so wouldn't he just have like a a home down the street? I don't. You're know, asking but, too. Yeah, many I'm, questions. I'm like trying to make this too real. Look, we can only be in the Carrington Mansions for so many scenes. So I'm I'm here for the Saint Denis Club. I'm I'm fine with it being their neighborhood grill and bar. I also love this other new set we see. We see Joseph in the middle of the night go into this like brick shack out in the back of the Carrington Mansion, and it turns out to it's be a brick Alexis's. House. Yeah. yeah, ow! It turns out to be Alexis's studio, and it's just all cobwebbed up with her old paintings. And I'm sorry, that's like the fakest of the fake cobwebs. It oh, looks yeah. like they literally stretched like cotton fabric over stuff, and it's like, come yeah, on. it's like, are we at the haunted mansion at Disneyland? <laughs> Are you my ghost host? <laughs>
Yeah, I like that the... And there was a Doom buggy. (laughs) (laughs) Fallon's Fallon's Doom buggy. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we should put a pen on that. Michael's gone. Big shocker. Thank God. I mean, we've we've got all of our wishes so far. Lindsay, out of the picture. Michael, dismissed. With a month's severance. Well, you lose this one, Fallon. What does that mean? Joseph was simply carrying out my orders. The decision to fire my chauffeur and your in-house stud was mine. Michael paid for his mistakes. Why do you have to fire him? Why? Because he was lazy and inept. That's why. Did you also notice that like Jeff and Steven, uh, they really overmoosed the hair on this episode. There's a lot of like frizzies and flyaways and well, their hair is definitely bigger. Everybody's hair is bigger. Crystals, even Blake's Maybe that's hair. what they spent the budget on on this episode. Yeah, they were just like, go big or go home with the hair, not with anything else. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting off track. So we have Joseph, the bitchy butler, go and confront Alexis, and he tries to come for her right out the gate. He says he's keeping a little book well, about all of her social this dalliances. This was the other like, like crazy... What she's been doing in Acapulco, what she's been doing in Ibiza, what she's been doing in Monaco. This is another part of that like sexy, weird, psychotic thing that's been going on in this show, this episode. Because, I mean, I, I'm sure you picked this up immediately. Like She's like, oh, you've been reading about me in bed. And he's like, yes, yeah, it's been very titillating. And it's like... Oh, did these two have like some like thing back then? No. Uh, I don't know. No, you know why? No, because like she basically calls him out for being impotent. Poor lonely Joseph. Still the impotent voyeur. I'd love to see the scrapbook, Joseph. Do send it over. There to watch while she's cucking him with Blake or something. I don't. I just love that this like isn't a fight. Like Crystal spent the whole first season fighting with him, and then finally kind of winning, but even not really, because last week he bitch slapped her basically verbally and in this scene we have joseph trying to come for alexis and he's like i'm keeping this book on you basically he's like been googling her the like 1982 equivalent of that and she's like i don't care bring me the little book read it to everybody i it doesn't matter to me bring your me your little book and tell me about your fantasies yeah (laughs) so i love that she's completely put him in his place in literally like two minutes crystal couldn't do it in two months well this is this is this interesting like house mistress dynamic you know that yeah to your point crystal can never quite master it and you know Joni's moved in for a hot minute and she's already like stepping on his face with her high heel pumps and he's getting off on it if that wasn't enough a little bit later we look out the back window and blake and joseph see that she literally is moving in there's furniture that's going a, that's in. a fun moment and she's like in that like french teacher outfit and yeah, everybody's like moving in the sculptures and the easels and the like. She's like setting up housekeeping in the backyard, basically. And if Blake doesn't have enough shit to deal with, he's like, oh, no. Oh, what the fuck is this? And he, <laughs> Yeah, and John Forsythe tromps down that hill. 
and tries to figure out what she thinks she's doing. And she's like, you gave me this studio. I'm moving in, baby. The bitch is back. Why aren't you headed back to Acapulco? Maybe I'm getting tired of wandering. Maybe I'm getting tired of all that Mexican food. And that hot sun is so bad for one's skin. All right, I asked you once. Now I want a straight answer. Just what do you think you're doing here? Exactly what it looks like. This studio is mine, remember? You gave it to me when Stephen was born. Lock, stock, and barrel. And no law in the country can change that. Not even yours. I'm moving in. So, uh, we finally get to the bottom of uh, Crystal's constant headaches and and <laughs> faked illnesses. And it turns out, I guess she's prego or she thinks she is. I don't know. And was that supposed to be like some grand revelation? Probably it was. But uh, But this is all part of the... Blake doesn't want to have any more children. And then suddenly she passes out in, in the lobby of the Carrington mansion. Yeah. I tried to do the math in my head. When did she actually get inseminated with this demon spawn? And I guess it was probably Winnie Marital <laughs> raped her. Like Rosemary's baby. Yeah. <laughs> but my He's got gosh. his father's eyes. <laughs> that fall in the living room when she's in, in the, the purple high pants heels suit with the taupe pur- high heels. <laughs> and it totally reminded me of like the way you're supposed to fall like on a stage you know so you don't have stagey. a concussion it was like did we not have like a stunt woman can you get a concussion actually... on mauve plush pile carpeting i mean yeah just go for it yeah face first just dive into, in. <laughs> into the shag <laughs> but yeah he's like what's going on and she's like i think i'm, <laughs> I think I'm having a baby <laughs> <laughs> too like, much. Oh God. That, that's kind of weird. I, I'm not going to say it jumps the shark, but it's a little, uh, all right. Uh, but I never loved Crystal's character anyway. So, Well, if this isn't a reason to be pro-choice, then I don't know what is. Oh, no. Too we far. We cannot talk about abortion on this show. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I thought the episode was going to end there. But uh, Well, something I think that needs to be acknowledged in this particular episode, and part of what made it as good was the musical cues. I mean, I don't think there needs to be a lot of time spent on it, but there was so much incidental music written specifically, I guess, maybe not for this episode, but at least for this season. And it is well utilized. And like the pre of it all is... Uh, when Blake and Steven are reintroduced to each other in Blake's library. And there's like this, like it's, it's a really heart wrenching moment between him and his son and confronting this whole, like, you know, everything that's basically happened in the prior season about his homosexuality and his gay lover and you killed him. And, and like, meanwhile, it's like underpinned by this like really great musical cue that's really ramping up the drama um, and you know, there's like, you know, there's always music and incidental things in the background and, and any soap opera, but yeah, I think it this was, is the like, music was definitely like really distinct in this episode. Done. Yeah. It, it, it kind of made it more so, which like justifies the reason to even have incidental music. And it's, it's sort of the emotional climax of the, of the show. Yeah. So Steven's got a lot going on. He does go to see Claudia, which I called him out for on the last episode, who makes contact with Mama Blaisdell Mother to Blaisdell. figure out where her <laughs> husband and daughter are. And she's like, I'm not telling you, you crazy bitch. And it kind of seems like 
she's going to have a lot of trouble trying to track them down. Like they don't want to be found. And Steven tries to console Claudia and she's just not having it, which makes sense. Like she's got a lot going on and him being in her life has kind of ruined it. And he seems to sort of accept that. I'm just into how he like walks into the hospital room and he says, oh, I've been trying to reach you. And I'm just thinking like, well, she's been tied up. Well, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Steven doesn't like to answer his phone. I feel like a lot of characters are like, I tried calling you like Blake. Oh Crystal, God. Crystal. Claudia. Yeah. She's like, I was just walking by and I just thought I'd stop into your apartment. So you don't answer the phone anymore. Instead of that ugly painting of him as a baby, maybe Alexa should have bought him an answering machine. Those exist, right? In 81, 82. Uh, if you were that rich, yes, of course. But yeah, and one thing I really like is Alexis is standing for Steven to Blake. Basically, when she goes to his office, the whole point of it, other than announcing that she's back and she's not leaving, is that Blake needs to reconcile with his son, this sweet, sensitive young man. And Blake, once again, uses this as an opportunity to attack his masculinity and Alexis is so woke that she's like, that doesn't have anything to do with loving your son. Well, she says he's had 16 formative years to make him into a macho man, as she likes to say. Yeah, macho like you. But uh, yeah, that didn't work out so hot. So, you know, uh, maybe it's not a choice and maybe it's not a lifestyle. Maybe it's just how you are. Yeah, get on board, Carringtons. And then Crystal even tries to do her part before she falls to the ground and announces she's pregnant. Uh, as part of her reconciliation with Blake. And he does seem open. He seems like he does want to reconnect with his son. But when Stephen goes to the Carrington mansion, nothing goes according to plan. I told the truth. You what? I told the truth, Dad. And you forgiving me. Well, let me say this. I don't forgive you. Why the hell did you come to this house? For some remorse. Whose remorse? Yours, remorse. To try to find some of it in your heart, just a little. No, that's that's two strangers reaching out into the darkness. Like, they're not ever going to connect on that level. And, you know, Stephen rightly calls out Blake for basically asking Stephen to forgive him. And it's like, but you're the one who screwed up. Oh, yeah. Uh, they both went into that wanting different things. Yes. Uh, Blake wanted an apology from Steven, and Steven wanted an apology from Blake, and neither was willing to give it. This is considered a bad platform for negotiations. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It quickly goes from sweet to sour, because Blake seems really happy to see Steven. He's glad that he's come back into the home. And as soon as Blake is dismissing him and asking for an apology from Steven, Steven's like, I'm fucking out of here. And he bolts for the door down the long no, ass Carrington hallway. It's the ultimate F you. He's like, everything I said on the stand was the truth. And, you, you know, you need to accept it or I'm not giving you any apology for anything. And that that was sort of like the, the gauntlet for, for Blake. He's like, what? What? Like, which I think is a little bit dramatic, but... It's like, well, come on, you've pissed your son off and it is the truth. So why oh, yeah. are you in denial? Everything is completely justified and Blake isn't willing to budge at all, which is what we keep seeing with this character over and over again. And then the worst of all, 
Blake gets physical with Steven as he heads for the door and grabs him. And then it's that, like, it's all part of this like great build to this emotional climax with this scene. I think, you know, the music, yeah. And the actions of the, of Blake and yeah, it's just all, this is all actually really satisfying, uh, storytelling here in this moment. Yeah, no, it's great acting from Al Corley. You know, sometimes he doesn't get enough to do, but I think he's like really reaching into the emotional depths of Steven and, it's sad. And I like the fact that Crystal finally calls Blake out on this as well. She says, look, you said you were going to change. Or she says things were going to change. And Blake means, says, oh, you mean me. me I'm, you mean yeah. me. And she's like, yeah, that's what I fucking meant. And you didn't. And now this house is damaged and I'm pregnant. It's kind of insane. Fall to the floor, Kathunk. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to have a baby. Uh, yeah, so much drama in I this episode. I think I am with child. But yeah, this episode was so much better than last week's episode. There's a lot going on. I'm into the interpersonal dynamics. Alexis is really adding some new flavor to everything. And I do love seeing Blake in despair on all fronts. Yeah, it's nice to see him like upended, you know, because it's like, God damn it. Why is this guy always in control? Because he shouldn't be. And yeah. Here he's not. Yeah. So. I'll just watch a whole season of Blake being Change tortured. I do wish Fallon was cooler. She didn't have a lot to do this episode. But man, I, she's taking so many steps back for me. So. Yeah, this whole daddy love thing is is making me like Fallon a lot less than I used Ugh. to. Yeah, it tastes like a brand muffin. Anyway, a manslaughter muffin. <laughs> let's. We should add brand muffins while we were recording the podcast. <laughs> oh wait, that's disgusting. I'd rather have this delicious rum drink. Anyway, let's take a break and talk about the looks of the week. I want to talk about them looks. So I'm starting to wonder if we're always going to talk about <laughs> Alexis's looks as the looks of the week. I'm concerned because she definitely had three really powerful looks. Uh, are any of those your looks of the week? I think, unfortunately, that is the case. Which one was it? Oh, for me, it's definitely the red number in the courtroom. Uh, it's an extremely 1940s Joan Crawford inspired look. She's got the 1940s hairdo with the 1940s pillbox hat, uh, which is not the same thing as a 1950s pillbox hat, different shapes, different things going on. Uh, and it's again, she's wearing red and everybody else is in like blacks and grays and tans. So and striking. So she's like always standing out from everybody else and it's well cut. It's got a little bit of a peplum or something. I don't know on the jacket. And it's, you know, it's just, I think it's very classic for what we know about her character. I do think she has some looks that are later very interesting, but I think that is like the lightning strike. I liked it a lot, and I especially loved, again, she's standing out, right? She's going left. Everybody else is going right. We didn't get a lot of it, and I did feel like it was a bit it was too costumey for me. Uh, it was, but I think that's the character. I Sometimes I agree with the costume uh, you know, uh, uh, criticism, but I think in this case, like that's actually her character. I mean, it's got the shoulders that are peaked, the the gloves. I mean, even at this time, who was still wearing gloves? Come on. 
the hat, you know, again, it's just, it's a lot of like, it is costumey, but I think that's her character. Yeah. No, for me, that outfit was edged out by the last outfit that she was wearing on moving. That's a close second for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, this edged out just a little bit. The red outfit I was going back and forth. It's just like French teacher goes on a safari. Yeah. No, it's like every French or maybe an art teacher too, you know, who's, uh, really into like astrology. She's got this big statement necklace with like a Buddha or some sort of a religious. Uh, I think that might be ivory. Yes. Ikes. Sorry. Uh, oh, that's problematic. <laughs> Maybe I should change back to the red outfit. Maybe it's just white plastic. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to need a, a sample, but yeah, she's got her hair pulled back and um, she's working some, some big shoulders on that one. And, um, yeah, she's got a little tendril in her hair. I just really liked the hair. It was um, just real powerful, I like that the, but still artsy and the stylish. The top was styled with the pants as they, you know, such that they were sort of like jodhpurs, but they weren't, you know? So, again, it's this sort of, like, stylized safari look. Yeah, that's know. what I was going to say. Like, this, this is some stuff that she picked up when she went on safari or maybe when she, she went to India that one summer in 77, like there's definitely like a backstory going on here. She's a worldly woman and I don't know, it's just like pushing it forward. And again, even though this outfit is like a tan beige thing, the way it's styled is different than what everybody yeah, else is it's doing. It's a little on bit show. kind of like uh, it reminds me of Claudia's tan beige outfit from a couple episodes prior, where yeah, it was the same. I want it. It's tan beige, what? but it's like it's also kind of like hot looking and it's kinda, styled and accessorized. I want Claudia and Alexis to get together for tea. Now that yeah. I'm thinking about it, ooh, I hope that happens because I'm I'm starting to see. Don't tell me. I'm starting to see like their um, sensibilities might be aligned in some areas, and maybe she could be a an ally. But we'll see. I think I think Claudia is a little too passive for for Alexis. I think Alexis. I needs, think Alexis would like that. You think she wants people? Yeah, yeah, I think no. I think she needs some pawns around her. I don't think she's a psychopath. I think I think Alexis means well. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> Well, that's another episode of Dynasty as They Want to Be. I wanted to do something we never really do on here, and I wanted to read some reader mail, some social media posts that we've gotten from some of our listeners. How do you feel about that, Kyler? Uh, I'm a little wet between the legs. Ooh, well, let's make you gush with this uh, email we got from Barrett. Barrett said, Love your show. Been meaning to write for a while how much my husband and I love your podcast. I was a gay teenager in the 80s with Stephen Carrington as one of the few role models that there were. And my husband was just born in 82, so he never saw the initial run. Ooh, it sounds like Barrett has a younger man. Your show... <laughs> Your show is so perfect because you put a modern lens on the classic show and helps us appreciate it so much more. Oh, Barrett. I never loved Claudia until hearing your thoughts. We were watching on the CW app, but they suddenly dropped it. I did not know that. So we bought season two on iTunes to follow along with you. S- considered subscribing to Amazon, but what if they drop it too? Well, I, I will say Amazon has faithfully carried at least seasons one through eight. Right. That's how you watched years. it. Yeah. They, they seem to have added season nine a, a year or two ago, I guess. But 
Also, yeah, I think the thing on Claudia is interesting because she is sort of an easily overlooked character if you're not, you know, if that if that's not like your thing. So I think I guess it is if you put a lens on Claudia though, you do kind of realize like she's sort of integral to everything happening at least in the first season. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's a discussion. Everybody has their own viewpoints and opinions and you know, we're not always right. We're just the two people who happen to be in front of the microphone. You know, we had our friend Ben Mandelker on the episode. And he had different opinions on characters and storylines too. But yeah, I'm so glad that you wrote in Barrett and that you appreciate what we're doing. And thank you for letting us know. I didn't realize that it wasn't available for free on the CW app anymore. Um, but that, that's a bummer. That is a bummer. Yeah, you could ha- you used to could watch it with ads. It is on Amazon Prime if you have an Amazon Prime membership. And you can, of course, buy episodes individually or as a season on iTunes and Amazon. So there are ways to do it. And you know what, honey, if all else fails, you get that DVD box set. It's about $100 right now. I think I have the link on nastypodcast.com if you want to go there. You, they have they release the seasons individually, but you just buy the box set. You get it all together. But yeah, thank you for listening, Barrett. I'm, I hope you and your your younger man keep uh, following along with us, and you know, email us and let us know what you're you're thinking of season two as we go along. Okay, so I got a tweet that I wanted to read from Don Ventura. He said, after finishing all nine seasons of Dynasty this weekend, it's been a blast to listen to nasty podcasts. Derek J. Lang and Kyler K. Jafari are cracking me up as they walk through each episode. Glad you guys are I'm aren't- glad somebody's entertained. <laughs> You're not? Uh, glad you guys aren't hashtag Team Lindsay. Uh, I hope you tackle the cold. I want to meet these people who are hashtag team wins. <laughs> I don't think anybody is. That sounds like a bar fight. I think Katie Kurtzman's <laughs> parents were team Lindsay and nobody else. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, Don. Um, I've been, I've tweeted him back a couple of times um, from our uh, Twitter account, which is nasty in a S T Y podcast. And then he said, I also hope you tackle the Colby's. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're only on season two. That's a Don big Ventura. ask. Yeah. I, I, I know there's like a payoff there, but still. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Let us get through the mothership before we uh, possibly go <laughs> on to the uh, the UFO ship wah, or whatever. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> well, Kyler, thank you once again for joining me on another episode of Dynasty as they want to be. It's always a party. Mm-hmm. Especially when you you mix drinks for for the recording, I feel like these are better episodes. I I hope they are, but maybe everybody else needs to mix a drink to listen. So who knows? So join us next week. The episode number three of the second season, Alexis's Secret. So I guess this is the cat's going to be out of the bag. Thank God, because I or it's at least going to be out of the goddamn courtroom. Yeah. Well, we're all out of the courtroom, and I'm excited about that. Take me to St. Dennis's Club. I need another drink. Bye. Bye.